This is The Naturalist. In every episode, we're covering the products, ideas, and trends that are shaping the CPG industry. Or that we just really like. Our, one of our big goals as well in the health and wellness space is to make sure that, and we have this today, it's not a, not a, it's not a goal aspirational for the future. 100% of our customers, not just in the campus segment, but all of our segments have access to a healthy meal or healthy option every day at every single meal. Do you want to kick it off? Kick it off. Can you kick it off? So my niece just went to college. Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. Where's she going? She's going to University of Oregon. Go Ducks. Go Ducks. They say, right? I don't know. Go Ducks. Probably. That's it. Can anyone back (laughs) me up here? But I was talking to her the other day. It was really cute. She was showing me her dorm room, telling me about her roommates, her classes and everything. And I asked her how the food was. And she said, oh my gosh, it's amazing. I just got back. I just had dinner. I had, and I said, well, what did you eat? She said, I had this grain bowl, you know, and had kale and then I had this. And I, had, and I was thinking, that is not what I ate. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> me neither. Wow, how far we've come. It's come a long way. Well, now you know why in almost every conversation about this, I'm like, I want to go back to college. For the food. For the food. I, I think my education was stellar at the University of Colorado. They did A plus there. Food. Food and otherwise. I was in the dorm. I talk about this with our in our Sodexo interview, but I was in the dorm that had made to order omelets. So that was a big deal. Yeah, that sounds amazing. I think I went to the University of Virginia. I'm pretty sure I lived off of bagels. Mm. Bagels and cream cheese. <laughs> Okay, so we had a great conversation. This is a throwback. Our interview today is going to be a throwback to pre-Expo East, but we wanted to have it on the list because it was so informative with the team at Sodexo. We spoke with Rob Morasco, Vice President of Innovation at Sodexo Campus, and Jennifer DeFrancesco, Director of Culinary Innovation for Sodexo Campus, and we thought it was just a great conversation. Yeah. And of course, you know, we weren't only talking about campuses. Food service is, I think Rob defined it as anything that you eat when you're outside of your home. Which is crazy, right? It's like we are all engaging with food service every day. It's airlines, it's hospitals, it's college campuses and so much more. So um, it was interesting to talk about that. We've had some content around that topic on newhope.com, just really breaking down what is food service and what does it mean for CPG companies? Because I think for a long time, CPGs in the natural and organic product space didn't necessarily think about this as being a core part of their distribution strategy. And I believe it really should be. Well, and today, so many different CBG brands are getting in on it, especially we're seeing so many vegan and plant-based brands that are really helping address a growing pain point for restaurants and for, as you said, ballparks, hospitals, universities. You have all kinds of food service locations that are switching over to more plant-based, plant-focused foods. Yeah, and we reported on this on newhope.com. Earlier this year, universities like Rochester Institute of Technology, which has approximately 19,000 students committed to, get this, offering 50% plant-based entrees in its four campus restaurants by the end of 2025. 
backed by New York City Mayor Eric Adams, this plant forward movement. Oh, I think it's his plant forward movement. I don't know. Backed by New York City Mayor Eric Adams' plant forward movement, New York City Health and Hospitals now offers plant-based vegan dishes at all 11 public hospitals and projects it will serve 850,000 plant-based meals by the end of 2023. So this is a real shift. And we also have some numbers in that article about the global food service industry, which is between one and three trillion dollars. A lot of dollars. That's a lot of dollars. I don't even, I can't even imagine how many zeros that is. <laughs> Do you know, Adrian? I don't know. Write it out. I have to write it down. <laughs> so, and, and then we had some other content that talks about the massive opportunity this represents on newhope.com thanks to Matt Cotton of Rooted Food Sales. He wrote a piece about this that explores the space and offers advice for brands looking to cement their presence in food service. So before we get into this interview with Sodexo, which I thought was so illuminating, they talked a lot about plant-based. They talked a lot about sustainability. I just thought it was such a fantastic conversation. I would recommend any CPG brand to give it a listen. They also had some really concrete tips there for CPG brands looking to get into um, into food service. And just a quick note on that, while we talk about Expo East in that conversation, really these are tips for any brand doing business anytime in natural product space. Absolutely. So before we get into that interview, we're going to actually do something totally crazy. We're going to do the list first this time. So do you want to go first with your first... Uh... Yeah, sure. And, and, you know, many of these are vegan, which is really interesting to see. And we're going beyond Impossible, Just and Beyond, which are some of the earlier companies that we saw in food service. There are lots of CPGs making a big splash in this space. So let's start with Olipop. This is the Better For You soda made with plant fibers and prebiotics. Earlier this year, it made headlines when it became the first and only soda to be sold at fast, casual, health rest healthy restaurant Sweet Green. Oh, nice. Um, another one, I love this, is Kate's Real Foods. So they partnered with Delta to have their sample-sized lemon coconut bars as the in-flight snack on Delta Airlines. And actually, when I was coming back from Expo East on United, I had an undercover snack, which are those um, crunchy quinoa chocolate snacks. And those actually won a Nexty Award a few years ago. So it was really Ooh, exciting to see that. I as slept through the snack. I'm so mad. And I actually feel like I'm considering switching over to Delta so that I can get. Is that a ridiculous reason to switch airlines? Kate's Real Food Bar. I think it's a great reason. Okay. Strauss. Strauss Family Creamery. So not a vegan company, but a sustainable dairy company. Partners with local school cafeterias to provide organic milk for students. So now I want to go back to grade school. <laughs> well, I want to go to Shake Shack because they are introducing two permanent plant-based menu items. There's a non-dairy chocolate shake and a non-dairy chocolate frozen custard. Oh, my gosh. I'm so hungry. And they're both made with not milk. So um, they did extensive research. They did tests at their New York City locations. I'm not actually sure if they have launched them nationwide at this point or not. But these are the restaurant's first ever permanent plant-based shake and custard offering. So very cool if you want a plant-based shake. Head to Shake Shack. Which I do. Which I do too. Grown-ass foods isn't limiting its vegan mac and cheese to the boxed variety on the shelf. 
food services can purchase the brand's cheese powder in bulk to make the cheese sauce and provide more vegan options on a menu. I love that. I think that's such a creative way of approaching something as well. Yeah, and I like that too for like protein powders, for smoothie bars and supplemental ingredients that can help create a more functional product for some of these food service and fast casual dining establishments. But definitely I like this interesting approach with the bulk ingredients. And of course, one brand that has been in food service for a few years now is Oatly, the maker of delicious oat milk. They have been working with um, 16 Handles frozen yogurt franchise. They've been partnering to bring customers dairy-free soft serve ice cream. So lots of different offerings there, including marshmallow and then the newest chocolate banana variety. So um, I'm sure you've seen Oatly at your favorite Froyo. Oh, and at uh, an expo of years past, it might have been Expo West actually this year. I was asking if I could buy one of their machines. Just <laughs> for your kitchen. I was thinking about it. It was when I was mid kitchen remodel and that's like the most impractical item i could have how big is your fro machine and can i put it on my counter next I to my questions. Yeah. now here's a cool partnership between airwad which is the la-based grocery store chain really great retailer sells uh neutral sustainable milk for earth month this year so back in april the two collaborated so neutral and Erwan collaborated on bringing a climate-friendly shake to Erwan's renowned in-store smoothie bars it was a chocolate date sh- date shake made with neutral milk in a sleeve explaining neutral's branding and mission so a really nice way that retailers who have their own food service parts of their businesses can further support their brands and then finally omni foods this is a brand that makes, they've been an XC finalist. They make um, plant-based alternatives to pork. They had an Asian lunch meat. Really cool because I think we're looking at also the global, more of a global view of people eating meat and giving them good alternatives. So Omni Foods, they have a huge variety of plant-based meats and seafood, and they've been featured on menus in over 500 restaurants around the globe. And you can actually go to their website and see where their products are being served or sold at retail. And then they also have this great B2B page that has a lot of helpful marketing materials. Just a really great brand that really has the potential to make a huge impact in food service, not just in the U.S., but around the world. And they're doing a lot in upcycling, too. So there's also a big impact there for their upcycling and plant-based efforts. So lots of cool brands. Yeah. So we did the list first. Who would have thunk it? (laughs) All right. Now let's hear from Rob and Jennifer to explore more of that university part of the food service conversation. Bye. Today we're going to be talking all about food service, building your food service strategy, some of the really cool innovations that our amazing guests are seeing. So now let's jump into the good stuff. Hello, Jen and Rob. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Even our like little conversation a minute ago. I was getting so excited about all of your expertise and all the really cool things that you're seeing. So um let's jump in. Rob, do you want to share a little bit about um your role at Sodexo and um Jen? Then we'll turn it over to you. 
Sure. Yeah. So hi, everybody. So excited to be here. So excited to be uh, next month at Expo East. Haven't been in a number of years. We were talking about that a minute ago. And I'm super excited to be back and be a part of the part of the fun and the innovation going on. Um, been, been with been with Sodexo for many, many years, 26 years. Most of that time has been in our campus segment, our college university segment. So very, very passionate about that customer base. They they keep us on our toes. Uh, Gen Z, I like to call them. And uh, and it, and it makes life fun and uh, keeps us innovating. Um, so yeah, Jen's on our team. I'll let Jen say hi. Yeah. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, as Rob said, I get to work with him in our campus segment, having a blast. I've been the director of culinary innovation now for a little bit over a year and a half. And I get to work on many development and concepts and bringing these just-in-time innovations to our students and clients. Like Boba Blast. Like Boba Blast uh, <laughs> to enhance the dining experience for our campus communities. So excited about Expo East for sure. It seems like you two have a lot of fun in the work that you do. Is it very fun? So much fun. Come on. <laughs> we have all yeah, I, I, it's, it's funny. I, I was on a uh, different conversation this morning preparing for one of the sessions that you just mentioned at Expo East, and they were talking about innovation, where does it happen? Does it happen in retail or food service? Does it happen on the East Coast, the West Coast? I, I like to think it happens in the CNU segment. Like I think our, our customers are constantly looking for that next Instagrammable whatever thing that they want to share. And that keeps us uh, ahead of the pack, right? It keeps us having to, to, to come up with that next thing that they're looking for, sometimes even maybe before they think they need it. Yeah, so interesting. And I do want to dig into that because in our audience here today, we're looking met primarily at brands in the CPG mm -hmm. space. And so I think it's really important on a lot of levels for the companies uh, that we work with to be thinking about both those segments and that distribution channel. So sure. really excited to dig into some of that. Um, before we do, and thank you so much for your backgrounds and, and your work at Sodexo. I know Sodexo also is doing a lot of really great things around sustainability. So I was hoping you could share some of those highlights in your work to make the world a, a better value. Can I let, me can I let you go first, Jen? Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. You know, I love to to, to <laughs> boast about it. Uh, the first thing I always love to bring up is our campus commitment to moving to 50% plant-based entrees by 2025. And that's like showcasing these delicious dishes. They're craveable to everyone, not just vegans or vegetarians. And another one of our huge sustainability initiatives is reducing our carbon emissions by 34% by also 2025, which is right around the corner. And Rob, I'll let you tell a couple of the Yeah, she, she takes all the good stuff and gives me the more, you know, that's okay. Um, I, I think it's really interesting. We are a global company, right? I think most people probably know that. Jen and I specifically work here at campus in the, in the U.S. market. Um, but we have, from a diversity perspective, not just sustainability, we've got over 4,500 diverse suppliers, like minority or women-owned businesses, and our goal by 2025, very similar to plant-based and carbon, is to have 25% of our purchasing volume go through those diverse suppliers, which I think is is uh, it's it's a, a little different and it's very important, right? A lot of our clients' uh, goals might be higher than that, um, and we and we have to work really hard to meet their needs. Um, our one of our big goals as well in the, in the health and wellness space is to make sure that, and we have this today. It's not a it's not a it's not a goal aspirational for the future. 100% of our customers not just in the campus segment, but all of our segments have access to a healthy meal or healthy option every day at every single meal. And much tied into the carbon thing, it's, it's integral part of it is a 50% reduction in our food waste by 2025 as well. So so we're very public, we're very 
uh, public facing with how we talk about these things. And we've got a lot of great uh, partnerships in the spaces to help us get there. So very, very proud of some of that work. And I think it, you know, when we talk about sustainability and health and diversity, I think it, it plays really well in this group that we're talking to today. Yes, you took the words out of my mouth. I know that that's so aligned with the companies that you'll see at Expo East and even in our innovation experience space, we're focused on innovations that can have a positive impact on health and um, and the environment. So thank you. And it's really cool. I think you do a great job of, of um, transparently telling the story of what you're doing. I was able to get a lot of information on your website and then- yeah learn more about those commitments. So really cool to see that. Actually, I want to jump. I know we're going to kind of like wait to talk about this, but I think it's important for us to sort of like just set the stage by talking a little bit about what is food service, Um, because it's even for our team, we're like, oh, that's also food service, constantly kind of learning about the different aspects of it. So for brands here who may be focused, you know, or have historically been focused on a direct-to-consumer or a retail strategy, what is food service exactly for companies who may not be familiar? I'll take a crack at this. So it's it's very interesting, right? It's uh, it's been changing recently, right? The pandemic has 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 accelerated sort of the change where where I, I like to call food service, uh, food away from home, right? I like to call retail food you purchase to consume or create at home, right? Um, but that's that's been blended lately. We've got grocery stores serving takeout and you've got, you know, uh, restaurants selling to-go things that you heat up at home. It's, it's kind of blended, right? But really where we're at is in that food away from home, that, that food service space where people dine with us um, when they're not at home, right? Um, now, there is some caveats to that, right? And there's a split even there where you've got commercial food service, right? It could be a restaurant like uh, TGI Fridays. I don't, I don't know why that came to mind. I think it's because I was just there earlier this week with my son because he loves it. Um, but anyway, you got stuff like that and you have like the non-commercial, which is where we live, which is in the space where food is not necessarily the primary function. It could be a hospital, could be a college that Jen and I, uh, where Sodexo does the food at, and we're hired by that client to deliver amazing experiences. Um, that's the non-commercial space, right? Um, the interesting thing about our space, the non-commercial space, especially campus, is that it has this uh, huge volume, right? It's a big space, all those things. We can get into that in a minute. But our customers, much like the retail, they live with us and they they, they interact with us every day, right? So it's a little different than a TGI Fridays or Wendy's or Chick-fil-A or, or Chipotle or anybody in the, in the commercial space. So how we define and talk about variety and what they're looking for, it's really interesting because they're with us almost seven days a week, three meals a day, right? So it's very, very interesting to to talk about it because that's where it really gets blended. But but long story short, food away from home. That's that's food service. <laughs> no, thank you, Robin. I think it just illuminates the fact that it's everywhere, right? Like people yep. are be thinking about it, but consumers are engaging with food service every day. Um, obviously different demographics and different capacities, but it feels really important for brands to have a food service strategy. Do you think that, um, or what, I guess, what is your perspective on a packaged product company's role in this food service landscape? Well, uh, I could take a crack at it, Jen. What do you think? All right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it's, it's a huge space, right? So I think, I think um, when I think of uh, a company that wants to work with us in this 
food service, non-commercial space, right? Like what do they need to, to think about? Right. Um, and I think a lot of times it's to know that customer, right? I, I almost hate to say it this way, but do your homework. What's that customer? Not Jen and I, but the people that we serve every day, that actual customer, where, where are they? What are they looking for? I, I talk about Gen Z all the time. Um, what is our customer in our particular case looking for? What's the latest thing um, that they're interested in? I, I don't know if anybody's on the, the example I always give is like Takis versus Lay's potato chips. I don't want anybody that works in one of those companies to be offended or over happy about the fact that I'm saying that, but Gen Z might gravitate more to that Takis thing that's new and more upcoming. Whereas someone in a, one of our other segments, like our BNI segments or even senior, something like that, more of a corporate uh, facing segment might be looking for the Lay's and all the different varieties of that. So it's know that customer, right? And then our operators on site, most of the non-commercial space, much like we do our competitors in the space, we have operators that run the business on site every day. You have to know what their challenges are. What could be a win for them? How could you help them with their clients and their customers kind of push things over the top, make things extra special? And then the last thing I always like to say, advice or, or homework is, and I think you might've mentioned at the top, um, What's distribution like? Like, what's the plan to get product from place A to place B to place C? How does that work? Because we're always going to ask that question. We're always going to ask, how do we get it? Um, yeah, so that's a quick, quick snippet. Sorry, Jen. Yeah, no, I think that's so important. And I think it's with you saying, do your homework. Also, to help have people think about having to solve for a certain challenge or or issue that they may be encountering at the operator level. You know, if you have something that can solve for this, that's huge, right? And that's something that they'd want to see. So that's kind of my little add-in. No, it's huge. It's huge. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I, I think also, you know, we, we talked about this, but I, I did a little research for this. So I, I looked on the USDA site. And, and so food industry overall uh, in 2022 was... I think I got this right, 2.29 trillion. Sorry for reading off the here, but I had, to, I, had to, I had to jot it down. So that's up from a low 1.8 trillion in 2020, obviously with the pandemic. And of that 2.9, 2.29 trillion, it's a lot of money, right? 56% of that or 1.34 trillion is food service, right? And the, the remainder is retail. So I think, I think as we look, that, that hasn't been, uh, it's been above 50% on the food service side since 2019. So it's, it hasn't changed, right? Um, it's, it continues to accelerate up and after the pandemic, it just keeps growing and growing. So more and more customers, I think it's easy to say, are choosing to eat away from home more than ever. I don't think that's a new thing for folks, but to see, to hear those numbers, I didn't know those numbers exactly, was pretty shocking. Yeah, fascinating what a huge opportunity it is for the CPG space. And then when you look at kind of the intersection of this massive food service space and then the continuing to grow um, interest in health and wellness and natural and organic products where those two worlds come together, I think is really exciting. It's something we'll be able to to dig into at Expo East. So I want to talk about Expo East and what you'll be looking for, Rob, and then and Jen, for you, just kind of like things that are on your radar, whether it be a specific trend or a type of attribute that you're looking for in brands or just something totally random that you're like, I'm excited to see well, that. I, I, I'm going to be, uh, I always like to say, it's not necessarily about me. It's about that customer, right? That Gen Z customer. And what are they, what do I think based on what I know, the insight that we have and conversations I've had with students, what are they, what are they really looking for um, in this space, right? When we talk about natural products, plant-based products, all those things. And Jen, you always like to say they're looking for the options that are like 
equitable. I'll let you take that away because you love yeah, yeah, no, equitable offers <laughs> with the plant with the plant based foods, especially. Um, I, I, as Rob said, I give him a long list and I'm having him head over to the innovation experience. I got my showing up, I got cultivated. Check out all the upcycled food (laughs) opportunities and anything as well as elevating our plant-based product lineup. I think we can both say, Rob, that we've seen some pretty cool things coming to the market at these shows. So we always have our eyes peeled looking for ways to incorporate these into our menu. Do you, uh, it's awesome to hear you talk about some of those trends that, you know, you're excited about, but then that you see Gen Z specifically is really excited about because those are the things that we just have such a strong community around, whether it be upcycled and tackling food waste through these really creative products or all of the plant-based options. And uh, yeah, I mean, it sounds like a lot of just the trends that we're talking about of this is the future of food are really those things that are top of mind for Gen Z. Is that like purpose and mission piece of the food space really a priority for for these Gen Z consumers? I'm going to take a crack at this and then I'll, I'll let Jen jump in. But I, I think um, when we talk about organic, natural, plant-based, right, I think I think a lot of students, they have they have a that that Gen Z age group. They have a they have a reason, right? And and sometimes it's health and wellness, right? Sometimes with vegetarian or plant based, it's it's some uh, animal welfare concern. Sometimes they truly, you know, align with our commitments. They truly understand the 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 environmental impacts of things, right? But you know, a pound of lentils versus the carbon impact of a pound of ground beef, those kind of things. Um, so sometimes it's all those, any one of those things, or all of them, but the the fourth one, which I, Jen has sort of enlightened me to recently, is this, I'll call it cool factor. <laughs> Jen, you want to take that? Yeah, yeah. I I saw an interesting stat. It said 58% of students, Gen Z, try are seeking new food experiences and try things simply because it sounds interesting to them. So there's like this culinary seek factor that they want to try new things that they have it they want to post on instagram and have an experience with their food so i think that's that's this other factor that we're kind of diving into now and and looking at from a different perspective yeah like the novelty and the experiential aspect of it i think that's where that's really interesting because i think it's where you know we see some of like the creative flavors and different delivery formats, but also where it opens people up to trying things that are better for the planet and are kind of out of out of what they're used to and their comfort zone. So I think that's really cool. We were actually just meeting um, through our next year we're judging with the um, founder of Pop-Up Grocer, which she basically completely turns over and swaps out her inventory. It's these pop-up grocery stores, but cool. most of what she brings in is meant to kind of appeal to people on that, like just on emotional level. So I, I like that a lot. Any, any specific things that you're seeing in that area? Like we were talking about the, um, the cheese foam earlier. <laughs> yeah. So, so Jen, you want to talk about how bubble bubble Boba Blast came to be? Yeah. To so Boba Blast, this is a, this is a lot of fun. And this is going back to, was it fall of 2022, right, Rob? Uh, yep. With, um, so we started these pop-ups and we started with these freak shakes and they were a hundred percent plant-based. So think of your freak, like think of your traditional milkshake, but then it has all the things on top. Maybe it's donut holes, chocolate covered marshmallows, chocolate dipped pretzels, like over the top indulgent. 
but they were completely plant-based. And we said, let's have fun with it and run it as a student pop-up. And everyone went wild. We had 130 accounts sign up. We had over 167,000 of these shakes consumed, which was incredible. But the really cool thing was that we created a QR code and we had students vote on what they want to see next. So again, another way to innovate and have the students tell us exactly what they want to see. Uh, we had one in between what you see on the back of Rob's screen, but um, before Boba Blast was Sensational Sushi and we had all these different cool roles and it was easy to execute for our operators. Just really, really cool stuff. So this time coming in fall, they've told us that they want to see bubble tea. So we've done a couple different flavors and they're going to have a blast with it. Um, I think that this type of stuff them telling us that they want to see is really, really cool. So this next round, we're going to give them a couple new options that I'm excited about. I know Rob mentioned Takis, so I think I think I can spill the beans a little bit. The Takis will be a part of that in some cool fashion, um, but a lot of stuff that we're seeing. Yeah, it, it's it's awesome. And I think I think uh, Jen mentioned the operators and, and signing up for this thing. I think it's important for the folks attending this session uh, Jen's done a really amazing job of making it these pop-ups super, super, super easy for the operator, right? They just click a thing. Yes, I want it. Um, in our space, it's, it's in our non-commercial food service space. It's so, so important because at the end of the day, um, our operators ultimately, uh, based on their client needs and their customer needs at their particular site, um, their particular college in our case, um, they have, a, they have a little bit of autonomy and control over what they're going to bring in and what they're going to do and how they're going to do it. We give them a portfolio recipes and products and things like that to work with but ultimately what they end up doing is going to going to make sense for their constituency right so i think it's important that we wh whoever on this call that ends up working with some of our accounts got to make it easy for them you got to you got to think about what a day for them looks like and how many steps do they have to take to get your amazing product to their loading dock the easier you can make it and you know not just a load dock but in front of the customer the easier you could make that for for them and us the the more success you're going to have and it's got to be really cool for them. Yeah, it's got to be cool too. It's got to be cool too. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. It's got to be cool too. So yeah, Jen just, it wasn't enough to do freak shake. They had to be plant based. So, you know, <laughs> no. that was, uh, that, that just raises up the, the, the bar a little bit, right? That, that level of creativity is so, so cool. And it's, uh, that makes total sense, Rob, mm -hmm. that, you know, they're open. It sounds like accounts are really open to these amazing creative activations. And then it's about making it simple and turnkey. So yeah, I, I, I like to say they, they were, were very open to it, but the fact that it was so easy. Yeah. Helped that number. Right. I mean, what was the, the sushi one? It was more than that. Like yeah, sushi was close to 150. Yeah. Accounts. So we, we see some of our business and we have over 400 client sites in campus in the States. We see that's a pretty good hit rate, right? I'll take that all day, but I'd like Boba Blast to uh, beat 200, so we'll see how we do. So someone on the the, um, the LinkedIn Live today wanted to know, what will some of the flavors of uh, the uh, Boba be? Oh, I don't have that, but Jen, I think you know. <laughs> oh, I know it off the top of my head. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, my personal favorite, we're going to have taro. Uh, and I guess, I, you know what? No, now I take that back because that's like a, that's a, toss up because I love taro, but I also love the Thai. So we're going to have Thai tea. We're going to have taro. We're going to have original milk. And then we're going to do a matcha as well. And then we have a couple fun add-ins, um, a lychee jelly, a bursting boba. I think it's strawberry flavored crystal boba. So there's going to be all these different combinations that our students and clients can, can make. Oh, very cool. Gosh, I want to go back to college now. <laughs> <You> don't worry. <laughs> 
Our, although my dog did have a, um, they would make us omelets, made to order omelets, and that was like a big deal. <laughs> it's you know what? It's funny. It still is. It goes back to that experience part, right? Uh, where yeah. students, uh, the things that they get in their life, right? They they get these experiences, whether it's a made-to-order sandwich or an omelet. And I, I always tell our folks, and I, I would encourage folks on this call when you when you when you visit one of our sites, and and that, that ever happens. Walk into one of those resident dining halls at 12 o'clock, noon in the middle, watch and see what students are doing and, and what they're gravitating to. And I guarantee you, if there's one of those ombud stations, they're lined up for it because it's that experience. They're getting exactly what they want the way they want it. And that's, yeah. that's a huge, huge thing with, with that generation, yeah. with, with many generations, with them especially. So I want to switch gears a tiny bit. I mean, I think this is still in a way in the um, innovation bucket, but kind of what we're thinking about as like low tech innovation areas. We have um, one of our great exhibitors, members of our community, um, hi Michael. He has an awesome regenerative uh, tea company, Wild Orange Tea. It's delicious. Um, But he wanted to know just when it comes to regenerative, which for our industry is such a big topic of conversation, so important, can help combat climate issues and so much more. Is that particular word, that phrase, and what that means, regenerative, is that something that's coming up with, uh, you know, we can we can think about Gen Z or just kind of more broadly in the food service space. Is that, is there awareness about regenerative agriculture? I mean, Rob, I think it's safe to say that, like, we're starting to hear more about it, right? And we're starting to take concern more um seriously about it just knowing more i think going back a couple of years ago we i would be like what are we talking about how is this a factor i um, cultivated i wouldn't know what that was yeah yeah and it's getting a little more normalized now in our conversations especially looking towards the future of of what ingredients and things of just being mindful when we're talking about menus so i think it is um becoming more common to have those conversations around i'll rob i'll Kind of talk yeah, no, I think I think it's important for us. I think it's uh, I would guarantee a, a good amount of our customers are able to have a, a a better even conversation that Jen and I could have about it, right? And I think our clients that we that that hire us, right, to come in and do food and services on their on their particular campuses, they're they're shifting, uh, I would say, from this sort of idea of sustainability defined by, I don't know, did they buy compostable forks and knives or something that's kind of low impact. Maybe they're throwing them in the landfill. Maybe they're actually compost. Whatever. It's kind of a a low impact thing, and they're really, really starting to think about carbon as a real thing and how how waste and regenerative and plant based all those things affect their impact in the communities where they live. Right where they they have professors, they have students, they have all these people that are in, in many cases they are sort of the, the the center of the community, and they're really, really concerned about that. I mean, local sourcing and all those things kind of play into it as well. But they're starting to really, the questions I get now are different than they were five or 10 years ago around uh, sustainability. And I think that's that's a shift that we're seeing for sure. Yeah, yeah, interesting. I like that, you know, people think you get who are members of the community, important members of the community, thinking about how these products are going to impact um, their environment, their families, their students. Um, that makes sense. And and yeah, any 
any other insights as you you know come out of Expo East on the types of positioning that really resonates with you around sustainability? I know our brands would love, love to, to hear that. Well, in our last couple of minutes, I can't believe a half hour. It's just like it always God. goes fast. Uh, I think final question for now. We had a great piece um, with uh, rooted sales that we did on newhope.com that kind of helps brands understand the process for thinking about food service, how to get in. And you talked about this a little bit, uh, Rob and Jen, but any other kind of words of wisdom for CPGs that are thinking, okay, this market definitely makes sense for us, how to either connect with you or more generally just what to do as a first step to to get into this space? Oh, I mean, I keep saying, go back to do your homework and listen to your customers. Yeah, right. That, I think that's so important because it does get missed a lot more than you think. And again, what can you solve for? Again, are there challenges? Are that listening is a good part of it? And I think that you can learn a lot that you can be an advantage to someone or company with that information, just listening and understanding and then figuring out those challenges or opportunities. Yeah. And I, w- I would, I think that's amazing. And I would tackle onto that more logistically and process oriented. Um, much like a TGI Fridays or something I mentioned before, you probably wouldn't go to a local TGI Fridays operator and try to sell whatever it is, right? You would go to the, the corporate. I, I think for us, it's much the same. If you go to one of our operators on site, they're probably going to say, uh, they, either they're going to be very excited because they want to, you know, do their thing and kind of, you know, break the rules a little bit. But typically I'd say work with us and we'll, we'll help connect you to the right, right folks uh, in the organization to make sure we're, we're doing what makes sense for all of us. Right. Cause, uh, I'd rather get you, if your product's amazing, I'd rather get it in a hundred two, you know? That's a great Um, point. Yeah. Thank you again, Rob and Jen, and thanks everyone for joining us today. Thanks, Jess. Thanks Thanks for having me. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Do you like recording this podcast? I really do. In fact, I like it so much, I'm probably going to get rich and quit my day job. Don't do that. People get rich from making podcasts. Some people do, yeah. I've heard many out there already. I love this podcast too. And if you like it and have been listening and like what you hear, please do subscribe and like it. Yes. 